So without the blessings of God, without unity, and we'll pick this up, Paul deals with it. And the only reason why Paul deals with it because there was no unity going on, but we found out last week that when there is unity among the brethren, then God commands the blessing. So now what happens is, is that <clears throat> I mentioned last week about a disruption and I, and I referred to a man named Ahithophel. And immediately ears perked up and you thought I sneezed. So I'm going to take you on a little journey this morning about Ahithophel that you're probably not aware of. And this guy is so important because it's going to relate to every one of us here today. Has anybody ever heard the same blood is thicker than water? That's not just a metabolical term. It's, it's symbolic that don't ever speak against someone's kin folks that even though they don't get along, blood is thicker than water. Well, this morning we're going to look at one of the saddest stories in the Bible probably the saddest story in the Bible. And this statement holds more true to this story than any other story probably in the scriptures. Today's lesson, we're going to deal with overcoming betrayal. This story is about a really good man. It's a man that was betrayed by a friend. It was a man who became very bitter because of the betrayal and because of the betrayal and the bitterness, it took him to a tragic, a tragic end. And today that we're going to learn that bitterness unresolved will produce a murderous spirit. For you that laugh and joke and weak, when I talk about a bitterness, the root of bitterness, you really probably need to pay attention today. Because it's just more than just a word in the scripture that Paul's deal with. We will learn today that when bitterness is not resolved, it will lead to a murderous spirit. This story will begin with a man by the name of Ahithophel. Now, some of you that knows, has anybody, and this is not a trick question, has anybody has never heard of Ahithophel? It's, it's a... Have you ever heard of a Hippophil? No. If you haven't, raise your hand. If you haven't. Good. Is it important? Yes. Yes. Is the right wing on the airplane important? Yes. A Hippophil. A Hippophil in the Old Testament a lot of times is compared to Judas and Jesus. But I will tell you one thing. There is no comparison because this story, the plot is so thick it becomes really dark. The tragic part of betrayal is that it never comes from an enemy. Betrayal will always usually involve someone that's close to you. I want to say that again for people that are listening. They're called bedside Baptists. They're on the side of the bed listening to this sermon. The tragic part of betrayal is that it never comes from an enemy. Betrayal will usually involve someone that's close to you. So now then the first question is, when this lesson is on betrayal, who is Ahithophel? Ahithophel by the scriptures was King David's most top advisor. He was his advisor. It's almost like a steward in the New Testament. So here's the scripture. 
This is found in 2 Samuel verse 16, chapter 16, verse 23, and it says this. For every word Ahithophel spoke, it seemed as wise as though it came directly from the mouth of God. Now for you that has never heard Ahithophel, that's a pretty good verse. For these men that knew about Ahithophel, they, it was said of him that it seemed like that every time he opened up his mouth, it was as God speaking. So if I was a king, I'd like to have this guy around. And that's why David had him around. Because he gave, gave David great balance and great wisdom. He wasn't a fool. Matter of fact, his brother's Nabal, it doesn't matter. And his name means a fool, brother of a fool. But besides that, so Ahithophel was David's top advisor. And evidently he had godly values in him. And, and the scripture says that everything he says, it sounds like it came from the mouth of God. So how in the world could a godly advisor and a trusted friend turn to be a traitor? Ahithophel betrayed David. So how can a man that is filled with the things of God and every time he speaks, the things of God comes out, if he was David's trusted advisor, if he was David's trusted friend, how in the world could he ever turn traitor? So let's answer it. 2 Samuel, verse 11, 2 and 3, please. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David, means David took a nap. How many knows the older you get that happy hour is nap time? I found that out. And it don't matter. I can go to sleep just sitting right here. Some of you are geniuses sitting, going to sleep sitting right there. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of his bed and was walking on the rooftop of the palace and he looked over the city and, and he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. So he sent someone, say the word someone. He sent someone to find out who she was and when he was told, she is Bathsheba. Get it, Bathsheba's taking a bath. It's a pun, don't worry about that. She was the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Now, leave it up there for a minute. Let's go back, leave it right there. If you're king, if you're king, you can't trust anybody because everybody wants your job and everybody wants your head. So he cannot trust anybody. I'm going somewhere with this. So he sent someone that he trusted the most because keep in mind that kings can do what they want to. And we're going to find out that David did what he wanted to, but it had to be someone that he trusted the most. It couldn't just be anybody. It couldn't be a UPS driver. So he called this someone and said, here's the deal. I know it's not on the up and up, but nobody will ever know. There's a woman up there taking a bath. Go find out who she is. And here's the address. And when this individual looked at the address, when he went to find out the address, it was shocking. What he's asking this someone to do was all hush-hush. No one will ever know 
We cannot tell anyone what's about to happen. It'll be just mine and your secret and nobody will know. Besides, I'm king, but besides that, no one will ever know. This someone that he sent was Ahithophel. He was the only one he could trust. Look at 2 Samuel 11 and 2. Go to verse 3, please. Sorry. So when this someone went to find out who she was, he found this woman. Her name was what? Bathsheba. She was the daughter of who? Eliam. She was married to Uriah, the love of her life. Uriah in the Hebrew means the light of Jehovah. He was a godly man. We'll talk about this. Eliah was one of David's mighty men. Eliam was one of David's personal assassins, but there's a deeper twist to this story. 2 Samuel 23 verse 34 says this, and Eliam was the son of Ahithophel. Bathsheba was the granddaughter to Ahithophel. Hell hath no fury like a scorned grandfather. Now we get the full picture. Ahithophel was sent by David on a hush-hush deal because he was king. He opened up the envelope and he immediately knew the address. He probably didn't even go there. He went right back to the king and he said, this is Bathsheba. Her father is a lion. She's married to Uriah, one of your mighty men. She's my granddaughter. Isn't it ironic that the enemy will always use people closest to you to break your heart and tear our trust apart in others? Isn't it ironic that the enemy will often use the people closest to us to break our hearts and tear apart the trust that we have for others? Ahithophel went right back to David and said, here's the truth. This is my granddaughter. My son is a lamb. He's one of your assassins. She's my granddaughter. She's married. And David said, not for long. Have you ever been betrayed? Don't answer it. You know the person that you let down your guard for? The person that you trusted with your secrets? The person you laughed with, you cried with, you, it was your prayer partner, it was your best friend. And here's the truth. Nothing can prepare you for the shock and the sting of betrayal. Nothing. And getting over it is not as easy as you would think. Nothing can prepare you for the shock and the sting of being betrayed by the person that you love the most 
you laugh with the most, you put your confidence with the most, it was your prayer partner, and they betrayed you. Now I'm going to read you two verses, and we're going to read them because you're very familiar with this. The first one is in Psalms 41, verse 9. It says this, Even my best friend, the one that I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, he has turned against me. Who's writing this, David? Isaiah 55, verse 12 through 14 says this, If an enemy were insulting me, that I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, that I could, I could hide it somehow. I'd cover it up. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. Not only that, it is with you that I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God and we walked together among the worshipers. And, and you read this and you go, poor, poor David. David said, oh, if it, it, he, he betrayed me. He, 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 it was someone that we grew up together. It was someone that I trusted, someone that I sat in church. And he goes, poor, poor David. David is the knucklehead here. And for your whole life, for anybody that knew anything about Ahithophel, you blamed Ahithophel, but now then you understand. David crossed a line mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He crossed the line and hid it under religious garb. Well, I can act like a rear end because I'm the only piano player you got. Really? I can act like this because I'm on the board. Is that a fact? Hmm. No, David, you're the knucklehead. Unfortunately, people today that we run across, they do not come with warning signs. They don't have things like embedded on the forehead, stay away, I'm toxic, I can't be trusted. That would be helpful. Now, God did it to Cain. Everybody saw it was on his forehead and they stayed away. But the other one says, back off. I'm bitter. I will betray you. So here's the, here's the full picture. David had a personal advisor that he trusted that everything that came out of his mouth seemed like it was God himself. So we know Ahithophel was a godly man. But David took advantage of him. Ahithophel said, no, she's my granddaughter. She's married to a wonderful man. She loves him. He loves her. And David said, I'll change that because I can. And David had Uriah go to the front line, took a rubber knife to a gunfight. And David said, put him on the front out there by himself knowing full well that he would be murdered. And when he's murdered, I'll get what I want. You'd be surprised today, even in the churches, how many clergy and how many people sit in the pews will say, I'll get what I want one way or the other. Now, I, I, I want to debunk something that some of you probably don't know. That Bathsheba was not... Pam Anderson on Baywatch taking a bath on top of the roof. Someone said something so stupid to me. 
Don't, please don't do that. They say, well, she's up there taking a bath on the rooftop. Where, where do you get that? Can, the person's not here. That's not even what the Bible says. The Bible says she was taking a bath because her days of purification was over. I won't get this to the G-rated sermon. Specifically says it. She's cleaning herself up. And David is the peeping Tom. She's not on a rooftop. He is. She's in her own home, in her own house, minding her own business, praying for her own husband. And David has crossed the line. Now then, he's a pervert. If this makes you mad, I'll say it again. David was a pervert. Let's just say it like it is. And not only he's a pervert, he's an adulterer, a fornicator, and all those other things, and, he, and a murderer. He's a murderer. And we just blow it off like it's nothing. It's something. It's something to a hippophile because it meant everything. And Ahithophel was so hurt and so wounded because David crossed lines with his young. Now, I'm not going to talk about this, but I will tell you that the age of Bathsheba was very young. Very young. Very young. We're not talking about some 18, 19, 20, 20. We're talking about a very young, young, young girl. Grown men don't need to have anything to do with a 15 and 14, 15, 16-year-old girl. You're a pervert. I'll say it again. You're a pervert. And he wanted. Flesh got a hold of him, desire. He wanted. And by hook or crook, he was going to get it, and he got it. He had Uriah murdered, and then he went straight to her and took her. They consummated and now then something happened to Ahithophel. He was betrayed. David was not betrayed. Ahithophel was betrayed. And Ahithophel was so hurt and so wounded that he plotted with David's son Absalom and waited and nursed his hate and his hurt for 10 years, waiting for Absalom to kill David. So he went to Absalom and he said, I will give you advice how to take over the throne from your father. If you think Absalom was smart enough to do this, he was not. He was like Jethro Bodine. He was not. He was big and, and long haired and good looking, but he didn't. He had the bronze, but he didn't have the brains. But a hippophil had the brains. And he went to Absalom. He said, here's the deal. Your old man has crossed lines and I'm going to help you take the kingdom. And Absalom said, squirrel, that sounds great. Let's do it. And he said, this is what we're going to do. And it's a long story, but God had to turn the council of, to foolishness because if David was killed by Absalom, then Christ Jesus would have never been born. You see, the purposes of God are greater than the imperfections of men of God carrying out the purposes of God. We're still... Flawed men preaching a flawless gospel. Was a Ahithophel smart enough to have David killed? You better believe it. 
When David was hiding out, did he know where he was at? Absolutely. But God had to confound some information that Absalom would not follow that. And when he found out that Absalom was not going to follow that, this is what it says in 2 Samuel 17, 23. It says, And when Ahithophel saw that his advice for 10 years had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out for his house in his hometown. He put his house in order and he hanged himself. This is the first suicide that's recorded in the scripture. For 10 years, he waited to get at David. 10 years. Why? Because basically he raped his granddaughter. He murdered his granddaughter's wife. Excuse me, granddaughter's husband. David was so full of himself that it hit fulfilled that even though that he had the, the mouthpiece of God and he honored God and he loved God, but David betrayed him. David betrayed his trust. David betrayed and perpetrated his own family. And Hiphaphel said, it's enough. Shocking, isn't it? So after 10 years, that Absalom was close to killing David. And because Jesus was in the lineage of David, that David's life had to be spared. And it was. And Ahithophel went home after 10 years knowing David would kill him. How would you know that he would kill him? Well, if you, if you had your granddaughters raped and if you had your granddaughter's husband murdered, pretty sure he's gonna kill you. Because watch this, the meanest people in the world I'm fixing to quit. But the meanest people in the world are not sinners. The meanest people in the world are Christians that are out of fellowship with God. They're mean. They're mean. They're mean. Because it's a righteous meanness. Not only are they they're, they're mean, but they carry around a religious spirit that makes them mean. So if I feel new, that David was going to kill him. So he went and he took his own life. The sad part about this story is this. Because Ahithophel took his own life, he never got to see his grandson Solomon take the throne. And he never got to hear one word of wisdom that came from Solomon that's still changing our lives today. Think about what it would be said about him, that every time he opened up his mouth, that it, it was as God was saying, and wonder what that would have done to Ahithophel to hear his, his great-grandson Solomon speak words that are still changing our lives today. Sad. We'll close with this. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says this. Pursue peace, so go after peace with, with all peoples. Talks about in the church and holiness because without it, no one will ever see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up among you 
that will cause trouble and by this may become defiled. He's not speaking in front of a liquor store. He's not speaking in front of a crack house. He's speaking to a group of people that say that they're following Christ. And this is what he says. He says, look carefully, search yourself, take an inventory. Because what happens is if the root of bitterness ever gets in you, and I wrote this, even though that a root is unseen on the surface, yet it fuels your motives. A root can't be seen. but it fuels the motive of the fruit that you bear. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a verb. So this morning, if you're tempted and someone has betrayed you and someone hurts you, don't hold on to that grudge. Hold on to God. One of the saddest things can be said about is this is that we've been known to be people that every time we try to open up our mouth, we say something that's encouraging and positive and, and, and edifying to the body of Christ like it was a Hippophil. And we put our trust in the people and we put ourselves in, 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 in the things of God. And then somebody crosses a line. Somebody does the unthinkable like David did to Hippophil. And he became full of bitter. And watch this, rightfully so. God forbid that someone ever break into your house and rape one of your children. And I know how spiritual you are. You'd say, well, God will forgive them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm not doing that. You are. I'm not. I'm not sure what I'll do, but I'm not going to do that immediately. But for 10 years, Ahithophel carried the hurt and carried the wound and carried the hate. Time doesn't heal anything, ladies and gentlemen. Time only gives things the ability to fester and pus. There's only one thing that can heal us. It's the grace of God. And Ahithophel, his life was turned upside down because someone betrayed him. Someone that knew better, someone that was supposed to honor God and love God and be a proponent of the things of God. And they absolutely failed him miserably. And he, he never got the bitterness out of his heart. And for 10 years, he carried it. Next week, if you'll come back, I'll, I'll pick this up and talk about what the Apostle Paul talks about, the root of bitterness. It's amazing. It's amazing what root of bitterness can do to you this morning. Someone's betrayed you. Someone lied. Someone did not keep the end of their bargain. Somebody told something on you that was not true. Welcome to the club. Someone cheated you. Someone took something from you. Someone misrepresented you. Okay, welcome to the club. But I told you a long time ago, those people are not worth me losing my mind over. And I learned through the years that, that I cannot see the root of bitterness in your life, but I can sure taste the fruit that you're producing. And whatever is in the root, my friend, is in the fruit. 
The earth is obedient to the seed. Whatever you plant, it will grow. Whether it be marigolds or marijuana, whatever you put in that ground, it will grow exactly what you put in there. And I will tell you, because you've been hurt, you've been lied to, something did not go your way, somebody hurt your feelings, and for years, in the back of your mind, we'll learn last week, you're saying, I'll be patient, but I'll get even one day. All you're doing is poisoning yourself. And as I said from day one, if someone hurts you, do it the Bible way. Just walk up and say, hey, knucklehead. You are wrong. But David never really repented. Oh, I know there's scriptures to go along with it, but I don't know if it's a self-repentant. We're not going to talk about that, but I will tell you that when you read Psalms 41 and Psalm 55, David is not the victim. David is the perpetrator of the problem. Then it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I know a lot of people with good ambitions and desire, young in the Lord, walk in the door and really have a desire to see God. And then they get around some teaching that's absolutely cuckoo. And I'll run across them every once in a while. I said, hey, especially through Emmaus, I'll say, Do you, are you still in church? I'm not. How come? Well, this happened and that happened. And the preacher said my hair was too short and my wife's dress was too long and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh my goodness. And they got hurt. So if you have a grudge this morning, if somebody's done something to you that hurts you, here's the best thing to do. Don't let it turn into the root of bitterness because it will poison you. The root of bitterness will turn out to be a murderous spirit. And if you can't murder that person, you'll eventually murder yourself. That's what it is. I've heard you speak. I've heard you talk. And some of you, it seemed like that God himself was saying some words to me. And it wasn't long that the enemy used someone close to you to betray you. And things changed. And now then for the last few years, just try to start headed to God. You're trying to get even. You can never get even. So this morning, my encouragement to you, this, this simple little lesson is that Bathsheba was the granddaughter of Ahithophel that begged and pleaded a righteous man, a king, not to do something, and he did it anyway. A health fulfilled, took the bait, remained bitter, and destroyed his life. What a waste. I bet he'd have gave anything to hear Solomon. I, I bet he'd have gave anything to watch Solomon take the throne. So hear what I say to you this morning. We are all in this together. We've all been betrayed. We've all been lied about. We've all been lied to. We've all been cheated. We've all been representative. And it's not just our enemies, but it's your close friend. The one that you went to the lake together, the one you went to barbecues together, the one you went to, oh, you in Texas gaming, you're rooted for Nebraska. I understand. Your prayer partner, your best friend. What do you do with that?
you have two options. Number one, you can remain bitter and it'll destroy you or you can give it to God. Forgiveness is a very freeing thing. You can't, you can't unchange the past, folks. So this morning, in about two weeks, we're gonna get off forgiveness and some of you are gonna go, ooh, I'm just glad you're gonna get off that subject. I'm gonna go to something else. Don't raise your hand if you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever been hurt. Somebody gossiped about you. Somebody misrepresented you. I'm the poster child of that. But I refuse to hang on to bitterness because I'll tell you what, if I remain bitter, I'll be bitter to Steve Monday through Friday and I'm not bitter Steve ever. I refuse to allow church people to poison me, to poison my friendships that I have with people. I refuse it. Steve deserves better than that from me. You understand? So this morning, Father, we ask you to do what only that you can do. We're like a Hephaphel that we know what it's like to open up our mouth and surprisingly something wonderful comes out. It's almost like God himself was speaking through us. We got to lead people to Christ. We got to talk to people about being healed. We got to mend homes and marriages. And we just watched people put down the gun and did not commit suicide and gave their life to Christ. It seemed like that, that you used us in a mighty way and then something happened. We got betrayed. And it wasn't just anybody. It was someone we trusted the most. It wasn't just an acquaintance, it was a, a godly friend. And David did it. And he ruined and crushed the life of a man that had great potential out of his own greed and his own selfishness. For everyone this morning, Father, like a Hephaphel, that something has happened in their life, I want to plead with them this morning. Don't end your life too soon. Don't take it. Don't let bitterness destroy you. Because you have a great grandson named Solomon that's on his way. There's songs that you haven't sung yet that you will sing. There's sermons that you have not yet preached, but you will. There's people waiting for you to tell them about Jesus that you have not yet met. Bitterness will destroy them. And Father, this morning we ask you to help us to do what only this you can do, to remove the bitter root from our life of something that happened to us that we cannot change but we ask you to change us. That the better days of the, of the body of Christ still awaits. So in the next few days, Father, we just pray that we will never allow bitterness to take, take root in our life, that it will produce bitter fruit, that we would poison the people that we're surrounded by that does not deserve it. Let us provide food that's healthy. 
and that will satisfy them. And it's the words of Christ. So before we take communion this morning, I don't need you to do anything, but just, just think with me for about 10 seconds, please. You've been hurt, you've been lied to, somebody betrayed you. Somebody told something about you that wasn't true. And for all these years, it's still poisoning you. And you're producing poisonous fruit. Someone broke a trust in your life now then you can't trust anybody else. I'll tell you one thing that you're taking your own life as far as I'm concerned right now because trust and hope and laughter is part of the package of the giftings of God. Don't waste your life. Don't hold on to a grudge. Hold on to God. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. It's hard subjects, I understand. I understand. But you learned something today, I guess. Someone took advantage of you, okay. Someone wronged you, okay. But don't destroy your life over it. Don't pollute the giftings that God has placed in your heart over it. Don't allow bitter and sweet water come from the same fountain over it. Don't lock yourself in a closet and say, I'll never trust anybody again. Don't do that. You're killing yourself. Freely and lavishly give yourself away. Be generous in all that you do. Be kind. Give people more than they expected when they walked into this place. Love them, embrace them. Greet them with a holy kiss if you washed yourself, as the Bible talks about. Communion servers, please come this morning. So this is what's gonna happen. We call communion the, the great transfer. I call it the great exchange. I'll always refer to as communion as the great exchange. I bring him something, he gives me something. I give him my sin, he gives me his son. I give him my failures, Jesus presents to me the Father. So this morning, keep in mind that this is not just a sermon that I'm trying to pour upon you. This is real life. When you come and celebrate Holy Communion this morning, give God your bitterness. Give God something that someone has done to you that rightfully you have a right to be angry and mad, but you can't afford it anymore. It's killing you. And you may not be hanging yourself, but you're affixating yourself little by little. You're suffocating yourself little by little. 
and we need you. We need every word that's coming out of your mouth that will declare the Lordship and the Kingship of Christ. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. We give you our, our bitterness, we give you our wounds, we give you our betrayal, and I'm asking you to give us forgiveness and holiness that we may go into a world and change our world in Jesus' name. Amen.